Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Fosterkew. Here I'm joined by an interesting soul for snacks and sometimes full-blown banquets. We share conversation and confessions, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Hey, Super Beaks. Happy New Year, please. We've got a belter to kick things off with a former UN Climate Solution Advisor, the most incredibly clever and brilliant and hope-inspiring environmental scientist you've no doubt already heard being brilliant on Radio 4. It's Dr Tara Shine. Also, great name. It's my intention to sprinkle a lot more experts into my guest roster over the coming months to help educate and inspire those of us keen to eat and shop for food in a way that sort of twats up the planet as little as possible. Because I don't know about you, but I think things feel pretty urgent on that front at the moment, if you ask me. Before we get into it, I would love to make sure that you're coming to see the next Hoovering Live. It's at the Leicester Comedy Festival on the 18th of February at the very fun and brunchish time of 11.30am. And my guests are the extraordinary star of Britain's Got Talent, comedian Deliso Chaponda, and the fizzing with awesomeness, comedian and writer Hattie Ashdown. Ticket links are in the podcast notes, and also my patrons have all already got a discount code for that. If you don't know what a patron is, go to patreon.com forward slash the hoovering pod it's actually a really cool club that you should all join made up of people who get like loads of extra snazzy content and stuff like special videos from me and ad free and early episodes etc 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 in exchange for us just last two quid a month join the club join that club please they my patrons 
Um, hi, by the way, and thank you. They also got a discount code to my tour show in Leicester because it's all being done by the same people. So you can just come with a discount to everything I'm doing in Leicester on the 18th of February. Did I mention yet that I'm going on tour at all? Or I, it starts in the middle of Feb. Um, it's a brand new stand-up show called Metal, which I'm super proud of and can't wait to show off. It's my biggest tour yet across the UK and Ireland. So hopefully coming somewhere nice and close to you. Ticket listings are on my website. Go to jessicafosterq.com and then click on the bit that says my doings. I would love to see you there. Dr. Tara Shine is based in Cork in Ireland, actually, which is one of the places I'm touring to. <clears throat> and that's also the reason we recorded this hoovering remotely. It was a joy to listen back to this for me. It's packed with brilliant information and tips and useful, practical, easy stuff to put in place to improve the impact that you're making on the planet. It's so, so packed with that stuff. But it's also really funny and fun, obviously. She is amazing. Thanks for having lunch with me. I'm delighted. I'm delighted. I'm very curious to know what's in that bowl that I can see. Yeah, I, I've gone. Well, so our brief was to do the least wasteful lunch possible. So I've got the leftover insides of a veggie cottage pie. I don't believe in once you've opened a jar, you've got three days to use it. So No, no, that's nonsense. I don't yeah. think it's nonsense, especially with sun-dried tomatoes. So I put a couple of, meant to have been used months ago, sun-dried tomatoes in there and some parsley that was on the turn. So I, I mixed that in. The last scoop of a huge ancient jar of kimchi, which is the only cold element. Mm-hmm. And then I had some tofu that went off yesterday, but obviously didn't. So I fried that with some shrivelly old mushrooms <laughs> from the back of the fridge. And we're into January now. With that, some shredded sprouts. There's still some sprouts in my life and they need to get gone. Mouthful by mouthful, they will get eaten into my tummy. And then for pudding, I've got some kiwis that had gone pretty squishy. They're going to be delicious. And actually, I think they're going to be really sweet. But I almost didn't need... I could take them out of their skins just with my hands. I didn't need to use a knife. And I've got a raspberry yoghurt that went off on the 31st of December that I'm sure will be fine. Well done. Thank you. I have got some packaging guilt, but we'll get into that later. What have you got for lunch, I have everything that was in the fridge in a bowl. So, Mm. with a load of dill on top, because there was a load of dill that just had to be eaten. So, I don't know if the dill goes with anything. There's a load of that. So, it's got sprouts. Yep. So I had lots of these teeny weeny, very small sprouts this year. So my husband can't cope because if you if you like cook them, steam them, whatever, they go smushy in like a minute. So uh, there's loads of those left over and nobody will eat them barmina. So there's sprouts. There's carrots. Mm. Didn't even peel the carrots because this is a zero waste lunch. There's two old scallions, you know, where they're kind of gone very hard and crusty on the outside. So I did take some of the crusty, crusty bits off. Fair enough. The scallions like spring onions. Oh, yeah, they're spring onions in the world, yeah. <laughs> then I found a little bit of a container, a Tupperware in the fridge with a little bit of leftover corn. So sweet corn in there. Then in another Tupperware container, I found half a chilli and a bit of chopped up parsley. So I chucked that in now there. Now we're talking. Then I found some old brown rice. Nobody eats the old brown rice in this house bar me. Yeah, I like a bit of old brown rice. There's a bit of old brown rice in there. Then I found a bit of ginger. So I thought that would make it exotic. Mm. Put that in. And I went all out with a clove of garlic as well. So all that is just smushed together with a bit of soy sauce. And then I have a large old ice cream container in the fridge that actually Mm. has burgers written on the top of it. But inside (laughs) lives an awful lot of the red cabbage, Christmas red cabbage. I've got so much of that in my freezer. (laughs) 
I'm the only person who likes it. Nobody's going to eat this for me. I'm going to have to have a ramekin like this of the red cabbage from Christmas with every meal till the end of the weekend in order to get rid of it. But it is lovely, but it's just like not the most versatile thing in the world. You just kind of have to eat it. No. Bit. Can you really repurpose it into something else? Once you've made it into that lovely, like, sweet, sour, kind of Christmassy red cabbage, cooked red cabbage, you can't really... No. And uh, a Heineken Zero. Oh, lovely, yum. So Perfect. It is January. That's left over from New Year's Eve by someone who wasn't drinking. So I might have that as well. I forgot to bring it up, but downstairs, wait, yeah. there's still a resistance, which also <gasps> nobody in my house will eat. Plum pudding. So my mum made my plum pudding. I love it. Mm. Nobody else likes it. So again, I have to eat that alongside the red cabbage with consistency. Uh, mm. and there's only a tiny bit of brandy butter left, so I'm going to have to just like ration that really okay. carefully or I'll, get, I'll end oh. up with pudding left and no brandy butter to go with it, which would be sad. Yes, no, you've got to think ahead. So yeah, we've got Brussels sprouts in common anyway. Oh, I love it. Well, tuck in and let me know how it tastes. I think the other thing... You mentioned it more than I did, but it's so true. You have to factor in who you live with mm. and what the chances are of the other things getting eaten. There was still just a normal person's portion of shepherd's pie left and a bit of broccoli and a bit more sprouts. But I know that I can shift that. I checked that my partner will shift that. Can I ask you an important question? Yeah. Will your partner eat leftovers for lunch? Yes. Mm. But within very strict confines, unlike me. There was no way anyone else in this house is eating anything from a jar that's been dipped in more than for the more than the three days after it's open. Mm. Out of date yogurts, out of date anything is all on me or my son if he doesn't know it's happening to him. So my husband is okay with out of. I don't eat like ham or any of that stuff, but he would go and eat that kind of slightly past it ham and use that up for me and stuff. He doesn't like leftovers heated up for lunch because lunch is about sandwiches. Right. This is a point of principle adhered to right. with great gusto. So there Love is it. no hope of him having a lunch, which is a throw together of everything in the fridge cooked for lunch, because that's a hot lunch and that is wrong. Right. I think in the cold winter months, I couldn't be more the opposite of your husband. I want a hot. I want hotness at every turn. I want hotness at brekkie, lunch and dinner. I want hot, hot, hot. Um, but I know so many people, I've got a friend called Grace, well, she tours and works in the night times and stuff. And even if she's having breakfast at 3pm, it still has to be a breakfasty food, like a cereal or something on toast. Like it, she couldn't, she couldn't have She couldn't soup. go straight to lunch. She couldn't have a ramen at 3pm. It's got to be a breakfasty breakfast item. Mine's yummy, if I don't say so myself. Wow. Everything's going with each other really nicely. Mine's really nice too. And the chilli that I found is, mm, a, is a good addition. Nice. My kimchi's spicy, and that's adding a bit of who knows what to everything. I also sprinkled some seeds on the top of mine. Again, my family hate me for it, and they're not into it, but I'll put I'll put a big spoon of seeds all over pretty much any meal. <laughs> like a child will with ketchup, that'll be me with my seeds. Absolute seed perv. It's plants and fibre and protein and all things good, right? All the right oils, all the right fats. Yum, yum, get in my tub. Yeah, Happy me, about it. yeah. Look at that really spicy, yummy, mm. sprinkly stuff. No, but it sounds lovely. I'm going to have to Google that. Mm. Mm. So I've got a lot that I want to get into with you. Well, first of all, let's just set the scene. Your website says you've dedicated over 20 years of your life to the pursuit of fairness between people and between the people and the planet. I love this. You sound like a hugely powerful and necessary referee. <laughs> um <laughs> 
but you are in in the most succinct labeling an environmental scientist Mm -hmm. what exactly please does that mean to the lay person listening Mm, so i like being an environmental scientist i get annoyed if you call me an environmentalist because i'm not mental yeah and i am a scientist Mm. so i studied the environment so what i love about environmental science is instead of having to just look at the rocks or just be a meteorologist or just work on the policy side of things or only care about lakes or animals or plants you look at the whole lot and how it all fits mm. together. So that really appeals to me because I like seeing how all the different bits of the natural system influence each other and how they all rely on each other. And then what's critical mm. to me is human beings are not separate to that. We're, we're part of it as well. So how do we fit in into all of that? And how do we start to play, I guess, a, a fairer role in contributing to that kind of natural society and not just be the ones taking and grabbing and running away all the time yeah so that to me is the big attraction about environment science it takes this whole big picture look at what's going on oh i love it oh that's fascinating to learn all those things are codependent on one another and what each other are doing and obviously there'll be people who need to specialize in what lakes are doing but if we're all working together and talking and you're one of the people listening to all those people and all that detail and putting it all together and you're about making it all come together for the better of for the better of all of us forever i think a bunch of people will have gone into the new year with hopes let's talk about hopes with hopes about eating in a way that is conducive to a brighter future for the planet i know i have i don't do sort of absolute resolutions but i think um you know a hope to keep learning keep acting on what I've learned when it comes to eating in a way that is better for the planet. And am I right in thinking there are several angles on this? And I know you're an expert in sort of waste reduction generally and have books out and all that kind of thing. But I obviously it's a podcast about eating. So I'm going to lean into that side of things. I'm going to give some headlines and you can let me know if I've missed mm-hmm. anything out because it's likely that I have because, well, I'm a comedian. Um, <laughs> but um, we'll try. I've gone right. One, food waste. Two, where the food comes from and what co- what did it cost the planet um, and how did the people who created that food get treated and how do we find that stuff out? Three, packaging mm-hmm. and what has the food that we've got come in and needed to be put in at various points along the way of getting made and on our plate. And, um, and four, quantity, sheer quantity of shopping. Have I missed anything there in terms of food waste, do you think? No, I think those are the big things. I mean, to validate that, there's this program called Project Drawdown, and they look at all the solutions to to climate change, which is only one part of the environmental and social issues we face, but a big, important one. And then they ranked all the solutions there are in the world and said, which ones are the biggest movers and shakers in helping us to get to that magic, safer level of 1.5 degrees only of warming by 2050? And in the top five, there are two of the things that you've said. So in the top five, number three or four is stop food waste. Whoa, number three or four. Rule that out. Like that's how significant food waste is. And the one after that is to eat more plants. So it doesn't tell you be a vegan or a vegetarian. It just says eat more plants. And then then after that comes forestation. And so plant more trees and above it comes wind energy and solar energy. So those are the things Mm -hmm. in the top five. So all this stuff to do with food is like really globally significantly important. So it's not just you in your house and what you eat and what you buy in your shop, but it's the fact that there are billions of people shopping and eating every single day. 
obviously in pretty inequitable ways, you know, what you eat if you're living in the United Kingdom versus what you're eating if you're in Malawi, it's pretty different. Yeah. It has a really big impact. So if you're looking for a thing to change in your life in 2024, then food is a really powerful one because it's powerful for your yeah. health, your well-being, how you feel every day, how you sleep, how much energy you have. And it's also, according to how you do it, you're either having a massive negative impact on the planet and the environment around you or you're having a really positive impact. So as things go, it's a pretty significant thing to think about. And if you're like me and you like food and it's a mm. pleasure to you, then yes. it's not a bad thing to experiment with and to be curious about and to think where does it come from. Mm-hmm. And of course, we have to do all of that, bearing in mind that, you know, the cost of living is high and people yeah. can't always buy what they want. But if things are more expensive, it also pushes you to be a bit more creative and experimental. And hopefully it also drives you to not waste things because we put hundreds of pounds worth of food into the bin every year in every household. So it's also like if you're interested in just saving a bit of money, it's going to help you with that too. Yeah, 100%. And I do really want to get into that as well. I don't want to, I'm so happy you brought that up. I think it can very easily get brushed over in these conversations that, oh, what a point of privilege it is to be able to be putting these things as your resolution. Ultimately, if you are struggling to be able to afford enough food to be full, Mm. then thinking about these things is a, luxury right if you're getting your food from a donation source or something Mm. then you aren't in a position to go well i don't want that i don't want that because i can't recycle the plastic bag it came in or could you give have you got any loose carrots you know it's ridiculous in that sense we'll get into that we'll get into that more later let's talk first of all about food waste actual Mm. physical food Mm. why does it matter from a planetary point of view because i only learned this recently about carbon and what happens if food waste ends up in landfill not even like the cost of making food that doesn't get eaten there is a physical thing that happens isn't there if food ends up in your bin bin yeah so if food waste was a country it would be the third biggest emitter in the world after china and the united states oh my what yeah so food food waste causes climate change number one that's an important thing to know so i'm okay to over of christmas when i may have watched a a member of my in-laws just sloughing food into the bin bin for having gone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, don't. So food that goes in the bin bin, in the rubbish bin, if that goes to a um, a landfill site, okay, so it gets put in the big hole along with everything else, and inside a landfill, there's no air in there. So you imagine it's all the rubbish squashed down on top of each other, so there's no air. So decomposition of your food is happening in the absence of oxygen. And as that happens and it breaks down, it releases a gas called methane. And methane is, is a greenhouse gas, so it causes climate change, but it's also a really potent greenhouse gas. So it's way stronger in how much heating it causes than carbon dioxide. So it doesn't hang around in the atmosphere as long as carbon dioxide does, but it's really, really strong. So it's short-term heating up of our atmosphere is really significant. Methane also comes from burping cows. It also comes from paddy fields where we go rice. But, you know, a big source of it is also from from waste. So a key thing is that, you know, your rubbish bin, you know, it really shouldn't have anything that wet and sloppy in it because anything that's wet and sloppy should be organic and should be in your 
food bin in your food waste bin in your organic bin. What can people do who haven't got that, who live in a flat and haven't got that yet? If you haven't got it, ask for it because in most places you're 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 entitled to have it. It doesn't mean that if you've got like a uninformed landlord who can't be bothered or who's decided that they don't like yeah. it or Do you mean contact your council? Well it depends. If you live in an apartment you probably need to contact the kind of the management company for the apartment. Right. If you if you're in a house, contact the council. Everybody should have access to your food waste bin. Some people in rural areas may not be yet on the route. If you're not on the route, then think about you might have a garden, though, in that case. So then you could have a home composter and you can put most things in a home composter. They don't recommend that you put meat in there because it might attract rats. And you definitely can't put like compostable cups and things like that in there because it doesn't get hot enough in your home composter to break all the stuff you've put in a food bin or in a hot bin some people have got it gets taken essentially to a thing that's like an enormous stomach that breaks it down and if anything creates energy as opposed Mm. to the enormous stomach thing you're thinking about is like an anaerobic digester which turns that food waste into methane gas and methane gas is also pretty much like natural gas so you can use it as a fuel but it's all in a managed way but most food waste goes to an industrial composter which is like a great big warehouse where they pile up all the organic waste and they turn it so they're aerating it, yeah, so that it's breaking down um, in the presence of oxygen. And what that does is it turns all that food waste into uh, into compost. And then that compost you can put on the ground in your gardens or where we're landscaping around motorways or train lines that we're building or whatever. Incredible. The other winner of that is you then do not have to go and dig up a peat bog, mm-hmm. the most amazing habitat in terms of biodiversity. And you don't want to be scattering peat around the place. To grow food for humans, yeah. Keep the peat in the peatlands and then use this compost that was formerly food waste to grow your veggies in or your plants or whatever. Fab. Amazing. Yeah, look, it's not rocket science. A lot of this stuff that we yeah that we could be doing better at. So yeah, you you should feel really free to make a comment on anybody putting food in a waste bin. I don't think people know. There's no malice. No, I don't think people have any idea the damage they're doing, the contribution they're making to climate change every time they put a bit of food in the bin. And also, you know, worse still is to put food in the recycling bin because now you've contaminated mm-hmm. all that recycling. Now all that stuff can't get recycled. So it's really yeah. frustrating if you're out and about. I was out and about at a place with my daughter the other day and we, it was one of those kind of food court things. None of them are allowed to have single-use plastic. So they've got all no. this paper and compostable wear. Where are you meant to wash it off before you put it in the recycling bin? Though? Yeah. You know, they need to have big bins that you can put the, the dirty compostable wear with whatever bit of food might be left in it, in that. And then there needs to be a place where they... Because there's always still some little bits of like still like i don't know the mayonnaise or the sauce comes in some kind of like plastic mm. container so that can only go in the in the general waste unless there's a place to to clean it out but what you don't want is the plastic going in with all the compost stuff because that's yeah. also a problem so some of this is pretty boring but essential stuff around put the right thing in the right bin and actually in that case if you're not sure do put it in the general rubbish bin if you're just not sure rather than risking contaminating the all the recycling or the compost yeah Oh, God, it's so interesting. Well, that brings us, I think, then onto the packaging. Mm. And I think, again, and this hopefully, I think, for me, certainly would save me a lot of money. Mm. I feel like one of the best things I, I can try and resolve to do from this year and forevermore is to eat out less. Mm. I don't mean in restaurants and stuff. Get lunch on the move that's going to be in a packet. Yeah, And I, even if it is in recyclable packaging, I'm going to not really be able to clean it in a way where it ever actually gets recycled, Mm. unless I bring it home. Mm. 
that could be another resolution. If I am going to do it, bring it home and recycle it at home, having washed it out. Yeah. So it's again, it's boring, but it's about being organised. If you know you're going to be out yeah. for the day, you're probably, yeah. you may not be so excited about the motorway sandwich that you're going to get or whatever. So it is around saying, well, I'm just going to bring my, you know, lunchbox of leftovers because actually that's healthier and I'm probably going to feel better and actually I might enjoy it more. So I'll take that with me. So yeah, the packaging can be really hard to avoid. And sometimes there's also a cost penalty on avoiding it. And this drives me crazy. So in the local supermarket where I am, I'm in Ireland, by the way, I can buy one lemon for 50 cent free of packaging, just a lemon all by itself. But I can buy three lemons in a plastic net for 50 cent. Well, yeah, exactly the same with bananas. I just had, I went to look today and was like, oh, they were something like a pound each for the bananas if you bought a loose unpackaged but or you could spend a pound and get all your six bananas but in a big plastic bag it's infuriating that's crazy i don't think in ireland we have any bananas in plastic bags anymore i think the supermarkets have done i can't believe our big hitters are still doing it we just get a little recyclable band around them but it's so silly they don't need to be in a plastic bag it's making them sweaty this is the problem with, with food waste and um, packaging is sometimes you do need the packaging to preserve the food. The food has to be safe. It can't kill you. So if you put raspberries in a bag and put them on a shelf, they would all get smushed. Nobody would buy them and they would just get wasted. So there is a yeah. packaging has a has a function that it plays. But I think the yes. problem is when you have something that's a real single use function, a bit like the, the sandwich on the run or the pasta bowl on the run kind of thing which is that it's really only in there for a day and and you're on the move and there's not many facilities for you recycling while you're on the move. So then these things end up just in general rubbish bins. But I do think there's a lot we can do. I think there was greater progress pre-COVID. So if you think back to 2018 and Blue Planet and the great awareness around plastic in the ocean, there was a real move by the supermarkets then to provide us at least with alternatives so that we could buy packaging free fruit, veg, bread, pastry, yeah. things like that. And then COVID came and we all got quite rightly very scared of germs and then everything went back into packaging and everything was wrapped up individually mm. again. We know now you don't get COVID off someone else's hands having touched an apple you're going to buy. Yeah, and again, but we didn't know at the beginning, so there was a lot of concern about that. Now we can go back and do it again. But then the, they have to get the pricing right, so it cannot be more expensive to buy one loose apple than five apples in a plastic bag. So that's silly. I really think it's about choice. At least give us the choice, but make that choice a fair choice. So don't charge me more because I'm making the right the right choice in terms of reducing packaging. And then some supermarkets are, uh, you know, and like, you know, you can go to package free stores now. Those exist where you can just go in, you can go in with a bag of containers and bottles and jars and just buy what you what you need. I've got some brilliant ones of those in Southeast London, but they are too expensive. Mm. There are some things in there where it works out cheaper. Washing liquids and they, they've used, you know, ones that are better, I think, chemically in terms mm -hmm. of what you're flushing into the water system. But most of the things in there food-wise are so expensive that actually I feel a bit ick. I mean, I use them because I want to use less packaging, but... I don't know. I feel like a kind of parent who's been able to put their kid through tutoring to get them into the special school. Do you know what I mean? It's yucky. It's y and you're like, well, am I supporting? An, you know, this is shit. It should be everyone should be able to come and in. And again, sometimes those shops are, are only open during the day and when you're at work and they're not accessible to everybody. So there is this real affordability question and then access, you know, and not everybody has access. 
So some supermarkets have have started to have areas where you can buy uh, like rice in, in like they have rice in big containers or pasta in big containers, nuts, all that kind of thing, and you can just go in and take what you need. And um, but the price point is is essential. So particularly on things like that, we use a lot of packaging on like rice and pasta. You know, those are the absolute staples for every family, so they can't cost a fortune. It blows my mind how many supermarket the bags that pasta come in, mm-hmm. you can't recycle anywhere. They're not even in the recycle at supermarket only type of plastic. It's infuriating. Um, Yeah, soft plastics are harder to recycle than hard plastics. So hard plastics, there's more plastic in it, but it's of a higher grade. So whether that's like a punnet that fruit and veg comes in or your Coke bottle or your milk carton, your butter container, all of those things once clean are pretty high value plastic and, and really ready for recycling but a lot of the soft plastics like the paint the bags that bread comes in and whatever that was typically the kind of poor quality plastic that we were shipping across the other side of the world to get rid of and then it turned out they were just getting burned in someone else's country or ending up in oh. and quite a lot of that soft plastic is incinerated right now a lot of it gets incinerated to create energy so it is right. being used again but it's still virgin plastic that's used once maybe twice and then ends up being incinerated so it's not perfect Mm. so again thinking about ways we can we can make the alternatives affordable so you will if you go into your supermarket you will find toilet paper that's wrapped in paper rather than plastic but it will probably cost more you will find pasta in a box not in a plastic bag but it will cost more it's just trying to make more of this stuff standard and that's where like the policy and the legislation comes in that kind of try and level the playing field for everybody and says like this is what good looks like you all have to get to this standard stop messing around yes stop mucking around actually hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey! 
So I am interrupting my own podcast, as I do every podcast now, to listen to some of your brilliant answers to my listener questions. If you don't know what I'm talking about, make sure you're following at the Hoovering Pod on Instagram and on Twitter, formerly X, Twitter X, because every now and again, I ask you guys something and you never know if you send me something brilliant like these guys have, I might play it if you sent me a voice note or read it out on the podcast. So here are some of my favourite answers you gave to a question I asked ages ago, actually, back in November, but this is the gift that keeps on giving this question. I asked you to tell me about other people's ways of eating or drinking that changed your opinion of them forever. And it could have been in a good way or in a bad way. Uh, We'll start with Abby Saltaire on Instagram, who said, me and my wife love eating a whole roast chicken with our hands. It just makes me love her more. Heathen pride. (laughs) I really like heathen pride. And I hope I've, I hope I've read that out in the voice that you would have intended it to be read out in Abby. Um, if you're listening, it's, there's something really, uh, primal about eating a chicken with your hands. Any sort of beast, I think, just tearing in hands first like a Viking. And it is, I think, it, depending on which way you lean in terms of carnivory, it's just fit, isn't it? It's just a fit. It's just such a confident fit Vikingy thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. OK, moving on. Just Farrar on Insta says, My brother-in-law will drink a glass of milk after a run with a raw egg in it, unmixed. OK, so... We don't know whether that's changed their opinion of this person's brother-in-law for better or for worse. I've read it out in a way in which it's looked upon with repulsion um, because that's what I've done. Um, Just so you know, sorry, brother-in-law. I don't want to watch a man do that. Uh, Lydia Catterall on Instagram. This is great. My mum dumped her first teenage boyfriend because of the way he ate chips. Oh, I haven't quite done the same but it made me look twice, you know. (laughs) What's going on there? I desperately want to know what he did to the chips. Uh, I had an ex-boyfriend who, after he ate anything with his hands, there's no other way of describing it, but would um, sort of suck each finger off. And just the thought of that has made me really gippy, actually. I... What an absolute boner killer that is. I wonder if that's what he was doing, was he? Maybe molesting each chip individually, because that would be enough for me to leave a man, I think, now. Okay, Megan Cotton, 73, on Insta. I had a male roommate in college who used to regularly buy a rotisserie chicken and eat the entire thing for dinner with no sides. (laughs) I was a vegetarian at the time, so a bit grossed out, but still had to admire the achievement. (laughs) I think the achievement is the getting the whole chicken in rather than the lack of sides. I don't trust anyone who doesn't order sides, frankly. Sides are, sides are life. I think he's made a terrible mistake there, but I hope he's happy. I think rotisserie chicken is possibly one of the best. It's the sort of smell that makes you go, maybe there is a God. Anyway, moving on. Joe Schmo on Instagram. A new manager arrived. Not she, They're not saying where. A new manager arrived and possibly had never had to make his own lunch. Oh no, what's he done? He took two slices of white sliced bread and dumped the thickest piece of cheese in it, no butter, and then masticated, that means chew, you pervs, and then masticated the dry, claggy fromage au pan around his somewhat equine-looking teeth. The noise was 
Dot, dot, dot. Oh, you can imagine. That's what they've said. You can imagine. That's cruel, isn't it? Because now we are. Now we're imagining our own claggy clattering. I mean, to be honest, I've got absolutely, I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with putting an entire block of cheese between two bits of bread, but you do want some butter in your life, don't you? And we're going to close this section now with a brilliant voice note. And the voice notes are my favourite, by the way. If you uh, find yourself having an answer of any sort to a listener question, I love it when you WhatsApp voice note us. This is from Sophie. I was on the tube once and I saw somebody open a, you know, there's McVitie's Jamaica ginger cake, open a box fresh one of them and then proceed to just straight up eat it like a burrito from end to end. And I've never, never respected anybody more. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The use of the term box fresh for a cake, for a... You know, a cake that's probably made in a factory upwards of five years ago. <laughs> I love it. I flipping love it. They've gulped that, haven't they, down? Like, just had it like like a burrito. For cakes, that person's like a snake, aren't they? They've just sort of done it in a wanna. Wow, wow, wow. I'm glad it, I'm glad it made you brim with respect, Sophie. Me too. I love to hear it. Right. Look out for future listener questions all over our social media. I flipping love hearing from you. I love voice notes. I love DMs. I love WhatsApps. I think you're all amazing. Um, let's, let's just get back into the episode, shall we? And did I hear you say on something once before that you'd said about some different colours plastic are harder to recycle than others? So it's become more sophisticated, but a couple of years ago, black was a problem, black plastic. It's still a bit, it's still a problem in some recycling centres. So you'll have seen sometimes, so you know the black trays that meat comes on typically, so not offended by seeing the blood. Right. Is that what that's about? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So the black trays are the same colour as the conveyor belt. And so the conveyor belt can't, the technology in recycling centres can't see right. them. Some progressive, like supermarkets, phased out the black trays and made them even a grey colour so that they could be picked out and then they could be recycled. This awful feminism, but you've reminded me of the fact that I can only get my face hairs lasered if they've gone really black like a scarlet lead on my pale, pale skin. Yeah. And it's a bit similar to that. Yeah, yeah. If they can't see your grey hair against your pale skin. (laughs) Yeah. They can't get the fluffy one. Yeah. It's a great big black hairy salad then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a pube on my face. Yeah. Those ones. Yeah, yeah, they can get them. I haven't done it yet. It's too expensive, but it's on my mind. Um, <laughs> how we digress. How we digress. You don't. It's only me. It's only me ruining it. <laughs> you are right on track. Yeah, if anything, I'm just constantly derailing you. I'm forgetting to eat my red cabbage, though. Sorry. Please eat some red, eat some red cabbage. This, though, I've loved. What was your favourite bit? Um, I think the mingling of the kimchi juices into what was left over from the inside of the shepherd's pie, which I tried to look for a, a veggie mince. I think sometimes I feel like there is a planty penalty as well when it comes to packaging. I'm yet to find anywhere to get tofu that's in a recyclable packaging. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. The boxes, but then the actual, you know, the liquid that it's in inside a plastic bag. So I got some mints that had a recyclable film as well as tray. And that has been lovely, actually. But I could only afford it because it was on a deal. Um, and then um, green 
lentils from a tin and um, some big green peas that I got from a really brilliant company called Hodmadods where they plant pulses and beans in soil to put nitrogen back into the soil and they use them as a break crop in fields where they grow crops of things like potatoes and carrots that everybody buys lots of. You're not just a comedian, look how technical you are. Ah, thank you. I've no, broken my microphone with how excited I was by my compliment. Um, it's yummy. That is yummy with that hint of chilli all through it. And that's, I think, I'm the only spice monster in my house as well. So getting to do a second round of a meal, but with a bit more heat through it is selfish and lovely for me. I don't want to run out of time before talking about the quantity of shopping. And like, like you're saying, the hundreds of pounds worth of food waste that happens in every household every year. It's a funny one because I, you can't really separate this from a complicated conversation that I have quite strong views on in terms of restriction. I'm, I hate our diet industry with a passion. I've had a history with disordered eating and I've come through it the other side. But one of the things I feel really strongly about is that people should be free to take joy from food and not be obsessed with it and not be overthinking it and not be counting it if they don't want to, not be tracking it if they don't want to, which I also believe is most people's happy place. So part of that is not having restrictions in terms of quantities of stuff. If your heart desires to be, if it's going to take more food to make you feel full and happy, do it. I think we're talking about, for me, like quantities of stuff in terms of food shopping comes in is I don't care really about shopping. I'm very lucky apart from for food. I love it. It brings me such joy. I love planning it. I love eating it. I love cooking it. I love smelling it. I love sharing it. I love thinking about it. I love it. I love everything about it. I love the feeling of being full. I don't mind the feeling of being hungry briefly. You know, I like thinking, oh, what is exactly that I want? That's a privilege. A roundabout way of saying I'm addicted to shopping for food. Mm. I get a massive dopamine hit from it. I struggle not to do it almost every single day. And that's the bit that needs to go on my list of going, you are never going to actually, you know, you can commit to using up all the open jars in your house but you can't really commit to that if you're in that shop every day um, for little bits and bobs to add to it. It's also not a very economically savvy way to shop. If you go every day, is it not adding up? Like, have you heard any of those programs that come on in January on the radio about like write down everything you buy in the day, do it for a week? Oh no, I'm not doing that. It. I can't so do that. If you did do that, you'd probably go, "Oh my god, I have to get out of the shop because like you can't go into a shop and not buy something." And whoever not went went into a shop unless you're like again my husband who can do this and they just buy the three things on the list like I will always see three other things so if I go in the shop I'm going to spend money if I don't go in the shop I'm not going to spend money I love the challenge of what we just did I love to stand in front of the fridge and go hmm what could I make I think Google is your friend on this I love Mm -hmm. putting into into a search engine like I have a leak uh four mushrooms, uh, one egg, blah, 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 whatever. Like, what can I make? There are some amazing apps. I'll look them up and put them in the podcast note. But there was one in particular that somebody, a former guest told me about, where you literally, you can put in a catalogue of all your recipe books, even if you prefer to use book books. So once they're all in, you can put what ingredients you've got to use up in, and it will bring up every recipe in your existing recipe book collection. How clever. That you can use. That is such a great idea. Mm. Even Instagram, you can search for, for ingredients now and come yep. up with 100 recipes. I would say that the only barrier to that is who you share your house with. 
Yeah. yeah. But just to be clear, there is no perfection in this. Nobody yes. is perfect unless possibly you live by yourself and you're in total control of your house. But if you live in a house with teenagers and a partner and visitors, and then you have to accommodate all the different whims and wishes and what, who, and, and there are just things that people do not eat. And there's no point in putting it over and over again on their plate because that's just going to create no. noise too. Or as you have to eat. We're just creating trauma. So, you know, there is that. So there is no way to be perfect at it. But I do mm. think that, you know, you tend to buy the stuff that the people in your house eat. So within that realm, what can you make out of the things that they like? I want to talk a little bit more about, like, the position of privilege, etc. And, like, mm-hmm. the amount of people struggling with getting enough food in their bodies and in their families. The cost of everything at the moment, I've never known it to be this expensive to eat, let alone to eat well. I worry when I do episodes of this podcast like this, that if somebody listens who's struggling on that front, then I don't, the last thing I want in the world is to add to their stress or shame or the, the amount that they've got on their mind that they should start thinking about this sort of stuff as well. What is there that we can do about this? Is it just about those of us who are not on the breadline being way more active, not just in our own lives, but in how we try and how we vote Mm. and how we speak to the people we buy stuff from and what we demand from them. Is it about that? So if we roll back to where you started first, right? Poor people buy less and waste less. So they are more likely to be doing the right thing. They're not the problem. They're not the problem. (laughs) The problem, when you look at work from buying... Oxfam puts a report out every year looking at equity and climate change. And the richest people in the world are most responsible for climate change, right? So, you know, at one end, that's the billionaires who are responsible for the equivalent emission of like billions of people of the poorest people. But also all of us who are middle class people living in a country like Ireland or the United Kingdom, we are wealthy people. Okay, when you look at it on a global scale. And so that means we're really big consumers. So we are part of the problem. Yeah, yeah. We just are, right? This is good. It also means that what we do matters. So what we do has a real impact. So what we do with our money, what we do with our voice, and what we do with our influence is really important. So yeah, be curious about what you buy. Don't buy stuff you don't need. Don't buy two for three on fruit and veg when you know you're never going to use it. Don't do it. Don't get tempted by the two for three, three for two, all of that. Don't get tempted by that. Only buy things if you know you can you can use it, if you have a plan to use it. Don't buy stuff every day. That was just one for me. So then yeah, yeah. that's that. Your, your voice really matters. So yeah, your vote really matters. Like how you vote, being asking questions. That are, this is going to be a big election year all over the world. So asking questions of the people looking for your vote about all of these things that matter to you. If you don't have a brown bin, why do you not ask them? If you don't have access to public transport and you feel forced into your car, ask them about it. Yeah, so really be curious and use your vote wisely. And then remember that your superpower is your influence. So the people who are your friends and your colleagues and your family will be more influenced by you than anybody else on the planet because they love you and they trust you. So if you do something and tell them it's great, they will follow you, you know, if you tell your family that Brussels sprouts with leftover tofu is ace, they'll all be having it for lunch tomorrow. Well, I wish my family still listened to this podcast. I'm going to have to text them about it. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, it is it, your influence is on those around you. So whether that's because you're a first adopter on 
an electric car or you're the one who says, hey, I'm going to start walking my kids to school. Does anybody want to come with me and also try ditching the car, even even on the non-rainy days, whatever? Then that's influential. That's the most important influence to use. And that goes to work as well. So in your work, don't just accept the status quo and work. Challenge things. Find people who think like you and challenge things from the inside out. That's really, really, really powerful in getting things done. Yeah, 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 yeah. And even if you feel like a lone voice, you won't be indefinitely. No. There'll be someone else who just wasn't brave enough to be the first to pipe up who will join you. So, you know, again, there's no point in having sorted out the food waste and the food bin and everything in your own house and then going into work and there is no food waste bin or everybody's putting the wrong thing in the wrong place. So don't just let it simmer and annoy you inside. Find other like-minded people and see what can be done about it. Most people, most people, if not preached at, but if given good reasons, and are helped. So make it convenient, make it easier for them to do the right thing. They will do the right thing. Making it easier for people to do the right thing is so good. When you are doing the right thing, you get smugness leveled at you. And um, I think we should embrace that. Like, that's part of the joy of it, right? Like, I I, I don't mean... <laughs> don't be, you don't need to be any smugger than you naturally are. But I think in that, in that same vein, like, you know, if you do anything that you know is for the greater good, you're allowed to feel good about it. It's sort of like... It doesn't offset the goodness of the thing itself. If something makes you feel good, tell people why. If something saves you money, tell people. Yeah. And I think there's so funny, like, catchy little things. I persuaded my mum to start using her food bin, all because, and she loves something pithy, my local council, Lewisham Council, are absolutely brilliant, and they sent an email around that had, like, four great facts on, and the only one I could remember was, for every ten tea bags that go in your food bin, you've boiled a kettle, because we've got the anaerobic combustion. And um, she was like, oh, my work. And... She loved it. And now because she's got a little buzzy, because she's, you know, it's, I was like, yeah, it's great. I know, that's cool. And well done to that council because that's what we have to do, communicate in a way that, like, makes yep. sense to people. So if they had just told her every time you put 10 tea bags in the bin, it equates to X tons of methane being emitted, your mom would not mean anything. They're completely yeah. unmoved by the whole thing. But they told yeah. her how her tea bags. Or just go, oh, that sounds smelly. Ah, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Quick fire questions. Would you rather eat a whole tarpaulin or a little bit of tar that you knew had a man called Paulin? Uh, it's going to have to be the little bit of tar. The, the whole okay. tarpaulin, just the image of trying to get that into my innards is just too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah whereas if it's tiny and Paul's tinchy and you can't see him, it might be okay. Best quality street, go. Oh, purple one. I got a bag. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I got obsessed. They bought out a bar called Collisions that had a purple one on top uh-huh. and a green triangle, which is my second favourite as the underneath. I mean, I can tell you, I, there's an awful lot of quality street I do not like. Oh, you can keep the ones that's like a secret cruel stone. Yeah, yeah. Fruity flavoured stuff in the middle. Ugh. Yeah, I don't like them either. Oh, I don't. I can tolerate them, but I won't take much joy. <laughs> I, coconut and the one that's like a small pebble yeah. they're almost i find them almost as dangerous as revels <laughs> what's the driest thing you've ever eaten <laughs> oh a piece of cake on an air ethiopia airline they make cake <laughs> on fasting days with no dairy in it so there's two fasting days a week in ethiopia and the the cake that they serve on those days on the ethiopian airlines is the greatest desiccator known to man arid mm, completely five second rule yes or no oh totally yes yeah, it would be so weird if you said no after everything we've just discussed. And no other option, would you eat a person? Um, <laughs> I was really hungry. <laughs> yeah, you'd be starving. There has to be no other option. I 
think it would be nice though. And I think if you were in a situation where you had to eat a person, you'd be eating them raw and they'd be old and gone off. So I think it would be the most awful, horrible, terrible thing. That's the only way I could think that you'd be eating a person. If you colour it in with that detail, we really are in trouble. An alien sleeper cell, keen to take over Earth, creates a new super dictator, a hybrid person made out of a smooshed together bouncer, ticket inspector, short man with a cruel dad, and also an adult skateboarder. It's like something out of a horror film. And because he says something pithy about how the establishment is corrupt, we vote him in, not just as our leader, but as all of our new husband as well. It's the saddest and most slow-grind apocalypse you've ever imagined. We're being gently negged and patronised to death. Luckily, all of this is agreed to have never happened. But only if you, and it does have to be you, Tara, agree to do high rocks, that's a 10k run broken up by other sometimes worse types of PE for hours, but alone, at dusk, on the boggy flooded plains of the River Eden in Grinsdale near Carlisle. Never shallower than hip deep in bog. It sounds impossible, but you do it! You're a hero! You go down in history as the person who saved us all from the Starbolical Apocalypse you're awarded. You've done it. It sounds possible, but you've done it in this scenario. You've actually bloody done it. I love a bit of peat bog. I don't mind a run. And yeah, I couldn't be dealing with that creature that you described. No, me neither. Your reward is the adulation of all people for all time, but your reward in the moment, and bear in mind, you are flipping peckish. You're starving. This has been epic amount of effort you're allowed a shower you're allowed a reset yeah. but i want you to imagine it's the opposite of a last meal your reward in the moment is the feast of your dreams it's just the thing to eat of your dreams and i want you to imagine you are the happiest and hungriest you can imagine being mm. this isn't about being sad and your last meal this is the first meal of your new awakened glory life there's no i don't care about the consequences of any of the things you're choosing ethically nutritionally blah blah blah, blah. i want to know in that moment happiest and hungriest you've ever been what would you like to eat? I want a whole weird combination of things. I want ripe mangoes. I want mm. my mum's cauliflower cheese. I want this parsnip gruyere bake thing that she only makes at Christmas time. I want, and it, all these have to be made by her only. I want a sherry yeah. trifle, her kind, not anyone else's kind, oh, not from a yeah. shop. Um, that's all really sloppy. So I feel like I need something. Oh, uh, a French stick and a bit of French mm. cheese thrown in there with it. And then uh, loads of fruit, because I really do really like fruits. Like, so I'd like some raspberries maybe to go with my mango. Uh, and something potato-y, possibly because I'm Irish. But you, and you need something kind of, you know, solid in all of that. I think yeah. baked potatoes with much mm. Irish butter. Why, yummy answer. That would be quite the combination of things, but those are the things I've got. Oh, and a slice of Irish soda bread with butter just to kind mm. of finish it all up. Oh, salty butter. Mm. Great, great answer. Well, at least my mother will love me for um, listing off all the things she makes. Sounds like she knows what she's doing, mate, to be honest. (laughs) Thank you so much for doing my silly podcast, even though you're actually a proper (laughs) grown-up. Isn't she amazing? You will have to follow her brilliant work. She's also CEO of an incredible organisation called Change by Degrees, who teach and help implement businesses and organisations how to become part of the solution in terms of climate stuff. She's also half of the hosting team of a very funny Radio 4 series called Carbon Life Forms, which is comedy and also full of useful information and ideas about how we can save the planet more generally. One, One little bit at a time, one little doable 
horrible bit at the time. Links to everything I've just spoken about there are, as ever, in the podcast notes. Thanks if you contributed to the brilliant listener answers. And don't forget to scoff up a million tickets to the Leicester Hoovering live show on the 18th of Feb, as well as coming to see me on tour with my new show, Metal. Woohoo! Follow us on social media at The Hoovering Pod. I'm on at Jessica Foster Send us voice notes, pictures, WhatsApps to 07462 855 271. Email us, thehooveringpod at gmail.com. I'll be storing all your beautiful offerings up and discussing them in future episodes. Keep an eye on our social media for any specific questions and topics that we'll be asking you to contact us about. Links to everything interesting mentioned today are, as ever, in the podcast notes. Hoovering is presented and created by me, Jessica Fosterkew, and it was produced by Laura Grimshaw. Until in two weeks, happy hoovering. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.